everyone welcome to another episode of cranked and ranked and welcome to part two of our pearl jam discography ranking as usual i'm steven aka old head and with me as always is mr eddie sparks hello sir yo that is the second um introduction that i've done today because (laughs) we 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 once again had some technical issues but i think we might be done with them i hope We'll have to find out and see how that goes. But um, (laughs) either way, we're here and we're doing our best to bring you um, more of our fabulous music shenanigans. Um, But yes, yes, today is part two of Pearl Jam. So we had uh, talked about, because they have 11 studio albums in the last episode, we had talked about our number 11 down to our number six. And today it's the big top five. So... That's exciting. Hell yeah. Um, (laughs) And also, for those of you who did listen to yesterday's episode, I was pretty, um, I don't know about negative, but I I had a lot of of, uh, negative type things to say um, about some of the more recent Pearl Jam albums. But today, um, it's going to be mostly us just talking about how much we love some albums because... We're, we're in the top five territory, and we're also going to be heading into territory where, for me, there's a lot of nostalgia, and there's a lot of – there's some albums that are really important to me. Um, yeah. And so um, this will be kind of a different vibe, a little more lighthearted, um, more of us talking like fans, or me anyway. Um, but uh, <laughs> before we get started today, um, Eddie, do you have anything that you want to say? Uh Nah, I'm just excited to talk about the the five best albums from this band. Absolutely. And um, so j- to, to keep things rolling, so hopefully we don't run into any um, technical issues today, let's just go ahead and jump right into our top five Pearl Jam albums. Um, so yeah, as usual, I'm throwing it over to Eddie to start with his number five. Cool. I'm, I'm actually... Really excited to see where we've placed these next ones because, yeah. like, I've looked at so many Pearl Jam lists, and funnily enough, like, the further up in the ranking you get, there's, there's like no right or wrong answer to a certain degree. I yeah. mean, that applies to all lists, really, because it's such a subjective thing, but, um, especially with this band, like, there's so many different eras that people have come in on and can turn around and say you know there's some people that don't like 10 which is ludicrous to me but you know it's it's just how things work so my Mm -hmm. number five is vitalogy wow okay vitalogy so 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 this what why did i i was gonna say so but I, i came in with sal Sound. It's like a- <laughs> now this is all about vitality. <laughs> so this is uh, one of, if not the weirdest Pearl Jam album. Like, there's a lot of whacked out crazy choices mixed in with some just straight up punky grunge rockers. Mm-hmm. Um, this is 
uh, aka the one with Pry2, Bugs, Aya Davinita, and Hey Foxy Mop Handle Mama, that's me, aka Stupid Mop on it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that said, you know, it, it, it keeps the, like, the staple Pearl Jam vibe of punky hard rocking songs with anthemic choruses. Um, but this album doesn't fuck around when it comes to the energy, though. There's there's a very dry production. It's almost hard to believe that it's the same band that made 10 because it's so stripped back. Instead of like the big stadium sound, uh, this album feels like you're stood in their rehearsal space with mm. them uh, simultaneously being as weird and out there as possible while also playing the most straight ahead stuff they've done yet. And that's what really gives this album such a juxtaposition. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, and it's important uh, to point out that this is their third album. And so they, yeah. this, this was what, 1994 was this one? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah, and they, they did, they did, they were a band that initially every album, you didn't really know what you were going to get for a few albums. And that was for pretty sure. Cool. Yeah. I, like, while I feel like Versus could have benefited from having a little bit more reverb like 10, I think the production on this one fits it, you know? I I can't picture this album, Vitalogy at least, sounding any other way than it does. Yeah. Uh, the drier production, you know, really serves the songs better considering their punkier edge. But, like... This is the point at which I really start to gravitate towards the more mellow Pearl Jam stuff. Like, I love the songs um, Nothing Man and Better Man, which are, which are the both, both the man songs on here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, those are probably my two favorites on the album. And upon re-listening to this album, I actually enjoy it a lot more than I remember enjoying mm-hmm. it. But, you know, I've... <laughs> A friend of mine jokingly called it, it's the album with some of the best and quote unquote worst Pearl Jam songs that, oh, wow. that yeah, in my, in my friend's opinion, but yeah, uh, I also, can definitely when, see when it, when it came out, it was interesting because it, it, the CD packaging, I don't know if it's still sold this way, but the CD packaging was unlike any other CD packaging. Cause it was yeah. like a little book with yeah. a little booklet inside of it made of some sort of real thick cardboard, but it wasn't, it was taller than normal CDs and skinnier on the, from the sides. Yeah. And it was just, it was, it was weird. It was the most unique thing at that point that I had seen. I'm like, that's great that they, I don't know, but that at that point I feel like they, that's the most, I think thought they put into like packaging of an album yeah. ever because there's no other album of theirs I think has anything that unique going on. Yeah. I, th- I think, I think no code folds out and it's got little Polaroids in it. But aside yeah. from that, yeah. Yeah. Cause I, I, I have to see, is it right next to me right now? <laughs> I hope. I mean, I know that uh, some, some albums come out with unique packaging and then later on down the line, if you buy them, they're just in a jewel case, but I don't know if Vitalogy is, is one of those, albums to be honest now that i come to think of it i think i've seen it recently in a shop like that new i don't know whether or not it it's just like a certain pressing or a reissue that they've done but yeah yeah also if i remember right the 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 
the the last track on the album was original. If I remember it, when I first bought it, it was a hidden track. It didn't say mm. "Stupid Mop" or anything like that on the back of the CD. It was just Which a makes weird. It, it's just because it's yeah. it goes through that thing that all these bands were doing in the early to mid '90s, where they all had a secret song, and sometimes yeah. the secret songs on some albums were really interesting, and sometimes. It was just a complete waste of space because you have 80 minutes to fill <laughs> on a fucking <laughs> CD. Like there are some bands that would just record like conversations that people were having. And I'm just like, well, why yeah. did you even, there's nothing funny about this. Why did you even put it on your album? But whatever, it's, <laughs> you have the space. I guess you might as well use it. Yeah. Like this, this album comparatively to 10, you can really hear them deep in that un- quote-unquote undoing their fame thing yeah like that's a good way th- to put it this is like a a strong rejection of the more radio-friendly approach of their debut um but yeah it, it makes me wonder because you know pearl jam was the big success and then versus they get a little bit different and then vitology is much different it makes me think about the the Nirvana discography and the fact that they had Nevermind and they got a little bit different, a little more stripped down and uh, I guess not so not so big in uh, big pr- production for In Utero. Yeah. If if Kurt had lived, would the next album have been a Vitology? Would it have been an yeah. album? With with a lot of a lot more noise, a lot more experimentation. I wish I, I'm 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 sad that we didn't get that album, um, but mm-hmm. but it does make me think of that because Vital because I feel like they were they felt the same way. I feel like Kurt Cobain. And I don't know about everybody in Pearl Jam, but Eddie Vedder for sure didn't want to be a fucking poster boy for any genre or movement or whatever. Like, um, so I kind of I kind of get where they were coming from with that, but it it really is interesting to think about somebody being thrust into the limelight when all you're trying to do is be in a band and make a successful record. Like yeah. you know, it's it's interesting because you don't ever think you're going to be one of those ones that ends up on every fucking magazine cover. <laughs> you you know, you just do your best and hope for the best. And I'm willing to bet because when Mother Love Bones album came out, it didn't blow up huge. So I'm pretty yeah. sure everybody in Pearl Jam said, yeah, we did a really great album. Maybe it'll sell 500,000 copies and we'll go on tour, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and it blew up way bigger than that. But anyway, we're talking about Vitology, though, at this point, which is, which is like you said, them trying to undo their fame. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a fun look at a band that weren't having fun, you know? I th- I think this this was quite a difficult album for the band as well because did, I think Eddie took a lot of creative control on this one. I don't I don't know specifics, but I've heard yeah that this is essentially uh an Eddie Vedder solo album with Pearl Jam as the backing band. <laughs> but Well, uh, I guess so, but they it also I think that there were issues they weren't getting along or at least Eddie wasn't getting along with Dave Ambrosisi, the drummer, if that's how yeah. you say his name. Um, I think so. Something like that. Um, but and so I think that I think that there was a lot of inner struggles going on and struggles within like each person themselves. And so yeah, it comes across in the album, um, and I think that's a good thing. Um, but I'm, I'm I'm holding my comments on Vitalogy. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So yeah, that's uh, that's my number five. 
Sweet. Number five. That's this is going to be an interesting episode. I'm just going to tell you that right now because uh, my number five is one that you already talked about in the last episode. My number five is the 1998 album Yield, hey. which um, it's a bit of a return to form, I guess, um, because I guess the prior album was a little more. It was less rocking, well, for some tracks, and it and it was a little more understated. And then I think Yield, they kind of have a, a big... The big songwriting kind of came back in certain ways. Not on all of them, though, because the thing that keeps Yield at number five is that I think it's a very strong album, but only some of the songs are really good songs. The other ones mm. are just good songs. Um, and occasionally it sounds a bit uninspired, but this is the thing I talked about last time, where once they hit no code they became a, a a less exciting version of Pearl Jam. Mm. So I don't, I, it, I almost feel like, you know, Versus and, and Vitology is them kind of moving away from 10, but then I feel like they even wanted to move away from Vitology because I, I, I don't really know why, but if that's what it feels like to me. Um, and then Yield is them kind of coming back and being a little bit more, Rockin'. I mean, the way the album starts off with Brain of Jay is fucking great. That is a yeah. really good song, really good album starter, which I said, they, they're they really good at starting albums. Most of the time, the first song on their album is, is pretty, it pretty much grabs you right away. But yeah. the album immediately falls off after that, but then it's saved by songs like Given to Fly and Do the Evolution. Um, but... Even though I do think Yield is a, is a strong album for Pearl Jam, it's once again it's just missing that spark, and that spark for me has never really come back. And I and I you know when I think about things like this, I think well it's just a personal thing with me because clearly there's a spark that a lot of people connect with, but for me, just musically speaking, um, like a song like Do the Evolution, that sounds like what I want Pearl Jam to do. Where yeah. even even the fucking riff is weird. I'm like, what are they even playing? Because it sounds like it, it it sounds discordant. Like there's notes that don't go together in it. Yeah. And and so I'm just like, well, that's fucking cool. And the lyrics are great. And I love Eddie's delivery. How he does that weird sort of gruff thing with his yeah. voice every once in a while. Um, and I I don't know. I think that that songs like that just make me feel like, oh man, they could they could still be this really unpredictable and fascinating and engaging band. But those are the songs they don't want it. And plus, I guess with you, you say you connect more with their softer stuff now. And so, you know, maybe that's, maybe that's why they move the way that they do. Cause they still, they always have rockers on every album, but I feel like their softer stuff is the stuff that's connecting with people. And that just leaves me on the outskirts, just kind of going, well, I liked them better when they were doing some rockers. (laughs) But, um, but Yield does have some rockers and it has some really strong songs. And like we talked about last time, um, I actually would prefer to listen to Given to Fly over Going to California any day of the week because I think it's a really, really great song. It is um, a great song, yeah. And um, and, it, and it has a really good mood. There's a thing about it that like the way the guitars sound and the guitar melody in the beginning of the song, it just feels like a really powerful song. And... Mm. So you can't deny that kind of shit. So um, all of those things, great album, just not as good as the other four I'm going to talk about. And so my number five is Yield. Cool. So my number four is like this this major outlier timeline-wise. 
and that is Backspacer from 2009. Oh, shit. Yeah, I forgot you didn't mention this one last time. I like this album. Yeah, Yeah, I was super impressed with this one. Like, this is their best of the, you know, quote-unquote modern Pearl Jam era. Like, this ends their 2000s on a very high note. They Mm -hmm. really hit that balance between anthemic, mellow, and rocking again. Like, heights of which you hadn't seen since maybe even 10 and verses, you know? Yeah. Um, Like, this one really caught me off guard. Like, no wonder it was the first to go number one on Billboard since No Code, because the songs are just that good. I also Um, also think that this came out around the time that the documentary came out, Pearl Jam 20. And so I think there was a lot... There was a a good hype... You know, along with this album, along with them putting out a quality album, there was this celebration of of Pearl Jam's career. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a it's a fun album. Songs like Gonna See My Friend. Now Gonna See My Friend has kind of taken on a new meaning, like for me, you know, after all of all of this pandemic stuff. Um, you know, I'm going to see my friend. That gets me hyped up to see someone I like, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, um, and The Fixer, like, yeah. that's a really well-written song. So, yeah, um, really. I mean, yeah, that, that should have been like a top 10 on, on, on all charts because it's that yeah. fucking good. Yeah, there's a lot of really good songwriting on this album. They nail that awesome fun rock and roll feel when they need to but just breathe and the end also have just such a nice chill vibe you know um like this is an album that's one of few that took one listen for me to get more than one song stuck in my head after like the first go Mm -hmm. it really is it really is just that good and you know, in the timeline, I know that we've put, like, we tend to put the 90s albums at the top here. This yeah. one just, like, sticks out as, like, damn, they really just hit it with this one. Yeah. I mean, that was, um, it was my, it was my number six. So, I mean, it's pretty close, to, you know, right, right, right out of the top five. Hell yeah. So, um, yeah, Backspacer, badass album. And it, it just, it blows me away that, that late in their career, they just managed to swing back with like, like what a comeback that is. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> that's, cool. that's all I have to say about that. Like I said, this is going to be an interesting episode because I already talked about backspacer last time. Um, and uh, so let's ju- We'll go ahead and jump to my, my number four. My number four is the 96 album, no code. And cool. No Code was the first album with Jack Irons on drums, which um, to me is he's a perfectly good drummer. He's just real kind of whatever. Like he doesn't do anything flashy that stands out to me. Mm. And um, that that might be part of the sound of Pearl Jam. They didn't want that anymore. Um, to be completely honest, you, yeah, you made you made the comment of them you know, backing away from fame or however you put it. There was also a part of me. So in 1996, being a big Pearl Jam fan, because from 10 versus Vitology, I was a big Pearl Jam fan. And then no code came out and I was really underwhelmed, really underwhelmed. 
And to me, it's a huge drop in everything. Like they, they're a great band, but the first three albums are miles above everything else they did in my opinion. But this is still a good album. But as a fan, it felt like with each album, they were consistently trying to find new ways to say fuck you to their audience is what it felt <laughs> like to me. Like I, I think yeah. part part of it I think may have been fame and they didn't want that, but also just the overall vibe of that I got from the band was you know, oh, you guys like our music now? Well, we're going to try to make sure you don't on the next album, which part of <laughs> part of me goes, well, that I, I that's kind of, you know, I guess a punk rock attitude and maybe that's kind of cool. But with no code, all of a sudden it was my turn. It was my turn for them to say, fuck you to me. <laughs> and I went, well, fuck you back. I'm not even going to fucking buy this album. And so, you know, <laughs> I, uh, I just heard it from friends or whatever. And, um, but it, it, it was, yeah, it's just a real, after the first three, it's a disappointment. Although, like, I think the song Hail Hail is fucking great. And has it has yeah. a riff, a riff that I want to grab a guitar and play. And that says something about that song. There's a few songs like that on this album. But overall, it's it's a little more understated than what they were doing before. And over time, I've learned that there's a really interesting energy to this album and I've started yeah. to enjoy that. And so that's what it is. It isn't necessarily songs on this album. It's just the vibe that I kind of like. Yeah. And so it has grown on me. That's why it is my number four, even though I'm saying it was a big disappointment at the time. Now it's, it, it really does. It, it's, it's kind of a cool, like just because of the way that their albums go with where they end up coming back with yield this one is a little bit more interesting and I'll, I'm, yeah, I'm always the one to say, Hey, um, I want a band to give me something different and yeah. no code was something different, but it wasn't continuing in the trajectory that I thought that they were going to be successful in doing. Um, but yeah, that's so that, I mean, I, I, I think I know better now because I've heard, you know, a lot of interviews with the band and I've read about the band and I know that they weren't necessarily trying to alienate an audience with anything, but it just felt that way at the time. Cause you didn't have a lot of information and all you know is they were this band who got really big. Then they said, we don't want to do any music videos. And then, then they, you know, did an album where they got more screamy and stuff like that. And, you know, <laughs> and so it just felt like they were just like, get the fuck away and we're going to make music for a small amount of people, which is interesting yeah. because later on in their career, they became gigantic and now they make music for a mass, probably an audience <laughs> bigger than 10. So, yeah. um, it's interesting, but no code is, is, uh, I like what it is. Uh, I like it as a statement for where they were in 1996, but, um, it didn't do it for me at the time, but I do like it now. And, um, it's, it's got, it's got its own vibe. So that's why it's here at, at number four. Cool. So that's a fun little segue because my number three is no code. Sweet. So I'm just going to keep on carrying on. And, uh, you know, this album, it definitely took the band in a different direction. But for me personally, it, it's one I really enjoy. Yeah. Um, like it incorporates like various influences to create this like diverse record. You know, they're their fourth effort here really shows off a band that 
isn't afraid to experiment further with their sound. I do get, I definitely get the, um, you know, it's your turn to get flipped off, you know, <laughs> um, vibe. But Nobody's yeah. safe. Yeah. <laughs> they, they really strip things down for their third album, which was Vitalogy, but then they go all out with like all sorts of vibes on this one. There's cool chilled out vibes with a lot of the tracks, even though, they often have a lot of energy, uh, but this album's like diverse nature can be described literally by the first two tracks, which is sometimes, which is this like nice chilled out, like totally, it, I don't know how to describe it in a way that does it justice. It's just like, it's just nice. And then all of a sudden, Hail Hail is just like this dirty, hard rocking punky song yeah and like the the opener is is totally laid back and the latter is just a punch in the face you know and that's that i think that's probably the most the the most laid back opener of any pearl jam album like that's yeah i can't think of another one that starts that way yeah yeah now you come to think of it i think maybe riot act starts chill but that that's yeah that's the only other one i can think of um off He Goes is a nice song, and, you know, Habit is a heavy, punked-out track. Red, Red Mosquito has a cool solo in it. Who You Are and In My Tree are a couple of great tracks on here. Uh, Lucan is a one-minute rager, and Around the Bend is one of my favorite closing tracks of any band ever. It's just, like, it's got that uh, end credits feel yeah. that I, I love. Oh and uh, oh, and mankind as well, which has uh, Stone Gossard on vocals, is yeah. cool too. There is, if there's one thing this album has, it's variety, mm-hmm. and you know I like that. I like that about it. Um, you know, to be honest, the the only thing that I would add to a lot of these Pearl Jam albums is just crank the fucking reverb up so I could have a bunch of tens. <laughs> but uh, yeah, not to give anything away. But uh, yeah, yeah, no code. It's a cool album. I I totally get your initial feelings on it though, because yeah. like with me, you know, me being twenty years younger than you are, I have the benefit of you know twenty years having passed since mm-hmm. you know or twenty years plus since these albums came out. So for me, it's just kind of like contextually what were they up to whereas you back then would have probably heard it and thought the fuck did they do (laughs) now i don't want it you know (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah yeah for sure i get it but i i i feel i feel good about this album but yeah Yeah. I, i could see that too um so yeah that brings me to my number three and this might this might be the the biggest shocker of them all. <laughs> uh, my uh, my number three is the album Ten from 1991. Whoa! Which is uh, their debut album. And okay. um, now let's be let's be clear here. Um, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna side with you on this. I cannot stand the remixed version of this album. Amen. It was completely unnecessary. And once again, it feels like a band that's trying to unwrite their fucking history. Yeah. Now I have no problem with Brendan O'Brien. Brendan O'Brien is a great producer. 
and yeah. he's produced a lot of albums that I love. And his sound is great. But Tin sounds the way it's supposed to sound. And yeah. um, the only reason I'm not too mad about it is that they didn't completely remove the original version from like streaming services and stuff. You can still listen to the regular yeah. version of 10. But the 10 Redux thing is just so unnecessary and it takes yeah. a whole lot of the personality. Personality, but not only that, the the history out of the album. That's like going back. I know that I'm comparing something that's a little more probably important to some people, but it isn't to me. That's like going back and saying, we have this archival footage of of soldiers in World War II. You know what we should do? Why don't we put some, why don't we like colorize it and make them have different outfits and like, you know, just make yeah. it look a little different. Maybe not make it look so much like a war. Maybe look like it's like a, a gathering of cool people. And so it's yeah. like, no, you wouldn't do that because it is tied to what it looks like, what who the people were in that piece of history. And to me, 10 is one of those albums because it was fucking like with them and Nevermind and all this other shit. That is a huge milestone in music history. Yep. And so going back and saying, eh, we don't want it, we, we don't want it to sound so much like nine, 1991 anymore. I'm like, well, then just fucking get rid of all your albums. Okay. <laughs> let's, let's wipe <laughs> them from the face of history. Cause it's just, cause what are we going to do 30 years from now? You're going to remix um, gigaton because you don't, yeah. I, uh, I don't want it to, to sound like 2020, you know? And so, I don't know. It makes no sense to me, but yeah, no, I'm totally to, with you. to each their own. But <laughs> um, I love the way the album sounds, obviously. And 10 is one of the most important albums to my early teen years. You know, I put it up there with Nevermind and the Black Album and a handful of other albums that came out and were really important to me. And yeah. th- this is one of them. Like, I would just thought it was fucking great when it came out. Had so many great songs on it. It's just an absolute classic album from beginning to end. And um Even Flow was the first song I believe I ever heard from it and that is just got an amazing hook in it and it's 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 such a great song. Um and then, you know, I got the album and it was and the rest is history with this one. But um I really do think because this out al- this album is at number three because I think as a band they got stronger with the next two albums. I think this one is an amazing debut, one of the best debut albums ever. I mean, you could literally put a huge chasm or whatever in between my number four and my number three. Like that's how <laughs> I feel. Like this is my number three, but it's kind of like my number one point three because it's <laughs> yeah. I think their first three albums are fabulous. Um. Probably the only song on this album that, because, you know, some people have that overplayed kind of thing with songs, and Jeremy is one of those songs to me, but that's only because it's a song that was played a whole lot when it came out and is still on rock radio, always played. And so yeah. it's one of those songs that you can't really escape. You could just be going shopping for clothes, and you'll hear Jeremy come on over the speakers. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's a song that's lost a little bit of its edge to me because I can still listen to it. If I, if I remove myself from the amount of times I've heard it, you can listen to how amazing of a song it is. Yeah. Um, but that's a, that's a, but that is a really good case for, you know, when people say songs are overplayed and like that, that's, that's definitely one of them. But, um, 
yeah, 10 is just a fantastic album and it's never, it's, it's always going to feel different to me than I think it does to some people, because if people got into Pearl Jam later on, there's no nostalgia connected with 10. And with me, there's a shitload of nostalgia connected with me so much so that 10 is one of the albums that I put it on and it gives me things that I feel things from my past. It's a weird, yeah. it's a weird connection that I have with some albums where I can just put myself back in my bedroom the first time I played the CD and I was just like, this is so fucking cool. And, um, so yeah, so it's an important album to me, but taking a step back and really looking at, at the first three albums and how they've aged with me and how I feel about them now, um, 10 had to go at number three. So there, there you go. There's a cool little thing I, I studied during uni on the, on the subject of like nostalgia and things like that and how music can trigger that and, and stuff. And I really wanted to, unpack this this thing that i have where i wasn't around in 1991 i was born right at the end of the 90s which is 1998 and so i got really into this idea like how am i so nostalgic for something i wasn't around for but because i've always just loved 80s and the first half of the 90s stuff and to some extent the 70s Mm -hmm. um but you know i looked into it for like a an assignment and it was i think it's called anamoya uh yeah that's it anamoya it's a nostalgia it's a nostalgia for a time you've never known and yeah that's it that's the nice i found it but yeah anamoya is the nostalgia you have for something you've never actually experienced but yeah it's a it's a strange one because like i i would imagine you kind of feel like if you hear 70s albums because you were born in 78 i was gonna say that for some albums like the 70s aerosmith or rush or bands like that the sonically how they sound i do have a weird feeling like oh man that's just i love the way that it makes me feel um, yeah. And it's so it is got to be that like a connection to a period of time because I wasn't born until 78. So there's plenty of albums that I love that came out before I was born. Yeah, it's it's such a weird thing, but it is a thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe do you think maybe you were reincarnated from a from an old rocker back in the day that died early? He maybe he died in the mid 90s and then you, <laughs> you got, yeah. he he became you like let's not rule anything out here. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So yeah, is that your uh, number three? Yeah, yeah, it's my number three. Let's move on to n- number two. I'm already at the top two. We're we're blowing through these. Cool. So my number two, I I want to know if if we have the same number two because we've only matched up once on this list and that was with uh, the self-titled avocado album no, uh, that's true yeah that was it yeah so that's our only matchup um my number two is versus okay so my only gripe with this album is the sudden shift in production you know i do admittedly miss the heavy reverb mix from 10 yeah 
but the material on this follow-up is so incredibly strong, and with repeat listens, it stopped being a problem for me. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I'd spent so much time with Ten before I took I I looked at any of their other material that when I first heard, you know, the likes of Go, I was like, oh, okay, they evolved pretty rapidly then, and um, mm-hmm. it takes them getting used to, you know, but. You know, the the material, like I said, it's just so strong. The riffs are great. There's a lot of sing-along staples. And, you know, the energy on this record is electric. You know, songs like Go, Animal, and Blood are these ferocious rockers, whereas, like, the more laid-back tracks like Daughter and Elderly Woman Behind the Counter in a Small Town uh, offer a wide range of vibes. Mm-hmm. And uh, w- one of my favorite things, I think it's on live... I think it's on the Live with Two Legs, Live on Two Legs um, album where he says he introduces that song with this next one's called uh, Longest Song Title in the Pearl Jam discography, Elderly Woman Behind a Counter in a Small Town, <laughs> <or> <laughs> something like that. Um, but yeah, it to be honest, with songs like Dissident, Leash, and Indifference as well, like were this album to have been produced with like more reverb it'd likely be as good as 10 in my opinion um i just you know i've i've definitely i i've definitely given away my number one but uh yeah yeah <laughs> the, <laughs> this this one for me every other album by them that isn't 10 was kind of a grower but once they do finally grow on me I will revisit them. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a nice little thing. But yeah, versus it's just it, it is unfuckwithable. My only gripe is is could have more reverb. Yeah. And I have kind of like it's it's funny actually, I've kind of experimented using logic to <laughs> try and e- engineer albums to sound a little bit more the way i'd want them to i know it's kind of perverting the artist's message a little bit but i'm like dude have you seen what goes on on youtube everybody does that (laughs) yeah that's the thing i i I kind of it's kind of like a secret little lockbox i have on my hard drive where i have uh all of these albums where i'm like i just want that little tiny little bit more reverb there i i I just want a little bit more tail yeah, on that per, yeah pearl jam why don't you do ver- versus redux where you make it sound like 10 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man i'd fund it yeah <laughs> but yeah that's that's my number two it, versus is an excellent album fucking love it but you, uh, it had to come in at number two because yeah. i love i love one just that little bit more so yeah, I I um I I I do have to tell you that my number two is verses. So hey, um, we matched up, match up with our number twos. Um, cool. So verses was at the time for me one of the most anticipated albums in 1993. It was only topped by Nirvana be, being the most anticipated albums, um, yeah. just because like when bands blow up that huge. And then they put another one out. You're just like, what, how, what the fuck are they going to do? Yeah. And I remember before the album ever came out, 
back when the album, the MTV News had reported that the album was called Five Against One. That's what they said the album was going to be called. Uh. And um, I think it was the MTV Video Music Awards. Pearl Jam came on and they played uh, the song Animal. And none of us had heard it before. And I was just like, yeah, yeah. Whatever they're doing (laughs) here, this this is good. And so I was really looking forward to this album when it came out. And it was one of those go to the store on the day it comes out and buy it kind of albums. And um, the thing that has made me love this album so much is pretty much the same thing that I loved about it when I first heard it. It's that you go through the whole album and there were things that I really loved and things that I didn't really know what to think about. And, but it it ended and I immediately wanted to play it again. And then those other things started to pop out as things that I loved and with more listens, like it lends itself to repeated listens. It's that kind of album. But the big thing for me was my favorite Pearl Jam drummer is Dave Ambrosisi, if if that's how you say his name, who played on Verses in Vitology because his drumming is awesome. He just does so Mm. many cool things on the drums and he has such an amazing energy. According to the band, he was too much wanting to be a rock star. And so that was a big reason why he, I I don't, I I mean, I'm I'm sure it was amicable because I don't think they were getting along, but you know, he was let go from the band after the recording of Vitology. But I mean, who gives a fuck if the dude wants to be a rock star? He's an amazing drummer and he added so much energy to their music. But once again, I don't think they were interested in that. I think they were interested in finding a new way to say fuck off to some fans. (laughs) So, but on verses, it's just a great example of a killer second album. And and into my, in my opinion, how you do it, all of the second albums that I love all have a similar, similar quality where they they get better on the songwriting and they have a different approach. Um, and it's not the same album again, especially when the first album is really successful. Now in the cases of bands where their first album kind of falls under the radar and they do a slightly better version of what they did before, I kind of get that. But yeah, with a band like Pearl Jam or with an album like 10, if they would have done the same thing again, it would have been to me, it would have, I would have checked out. I would have been, yeah, I'm good yeah. at this. But yeah, so the variety of songs on here is a big deal for me. They're all very well written. And the thing that I remember, too, that is on some of these these earlier albums but isn't – I don't think in the last few you hear it at all – was all of a sudden you had a song like Blood where Eddie Vedder was screaming and – that was a thing where we, well, I just remember being like, oh, shit, this is awesome. Because like he didn't scream at all on 10. 10 is all very beautiful singing. And then all of a sudden you get a song like Blood that's just so energetic and he just screams for most of the lyrics. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and, a, and a big thing about this album, and there's, there's two of these. There's one from this album and one from Vitology I'm going to talk about. So they released all these quote-unquote singles from verses but they didn't do any music videos but the thing that blows me away is the song from this album that could have been a hit single which is rearview mirror was not released as a single yeah and i almost feel like maybe that was part of their whole thing like rearview mirror is clearly a a really catchy song let's let's not put that out as a single but that's a song that to me it's to me it's a hit 
Like, I mean, yeah. if I talk about Pearl Jam, I'm like, well, you have to know Rearview Mirror. It's a fucking fantastic song. Fantastically written song. Should have been an, a number one rock song. Um, but, it, but it wasn't. And it, it just blows me away. That, that, and that's the caliber of this album. That it's so good that the song that could have been a hit, they were just like, yeah, no, don't. It's just, it's later on in the album. Um, <laughs> so with, with Versus, the thing that makes it so great for me is because it's a middle ground between Tin and Vitology. And I like hearing that growth. Because you are right. There are some songs that if you did the production a, a little bit differently, you could hear it on Tin. And yeah. um, some, we, something that we haven't really talked about yet, but I think we should, because we've, we've, we're, we're kind of in the middle, because we've both talked about verses. You're, you're going to talk about Tin in a minute. But um, because I love this era of the band so much i think we we need to give a little bit of love to um the two songs that they have on the singles soundtrack which is breathe and um yeah state of love and trust because those are both fantastic songs like even the songs that they weren't putting on albums like the like there's a b-side is it a b-side on jeremy or even flow that's that song footsteps amazing song and it wasn't even one that was on an album like they were so yeah. fucking good around this time that even their songs that they weren't going to put on an album are still fantastic songs. And so it's, it's just something about this band around this time that um, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to say that they've, they started sabotaging themselves because they're still a massive band and they all don't have to work another day in their entire life. And they all, they're going to be successful forever and they all have money and fame and whatever. But to me, yeah, just hearing what they did, 10 versus Vitalogy, all the songs that came around that yeah. time, I, I just feel that they, they started to sabotage themselves a little bit because they wanted so much to like not be cool, I guess. And I don't really know. Yeah. It's just, it just it, it bothers me a little bit because there are those handful of bands that I love their first few albums so much. And then they become a band that I just go, eh, they're fine. And we've we've talked about a lot of them. And so I think I said this on the last episode. I, I wouldn't be so critical of the later Pearl Jam if these first three albums were not these absolutely fantastic pieces of music from beginning to end. And yeah. Versus to me is they they were going somewhere exciting. And versus you get to hear the journey. From ten to Vitology, clearly Vitology is also my number my number one. So we'll get to that eventually. <laughs> but I like verses because it's the journey from ten to Vitology, and it's fucking yeah. enjoyable as hell even today. So that's my number two verses. Cool. So let the gush fest begin. Woo! <laughs> so my number one. No, absolutely no secret. It's 10. <laughs> um, this is probably, I mean, this is without a doubt my go-to example for, for first album syndrome. <laughs> because mm -hmm. in my love for this band, this album is leagues above all the others, in my opinion. Yeah. Don't get, again, don't get me wrong. I really like and even love a lot of Pearl Jam after this album, but in a 
gun to my head scenario, I'm grabbing this one in an instant. So, yeah, like, if there's if there's a fire in your house and you have to grab one Pearl Jam album, this is the one you're grabbing. Yep, I'm grabbing my ten picture disc. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, nice. Yeah, like th- this album is one of the greatest rock albums ever made. Like across the board of any genre, this is a classic in the truest sense of the word. Um, and the whole mix is swimming in an ocean of reverb, which is something <laughs> you all know I love and think is the coolest shit in the world. I will say here, I know it also violates the very loose original track listing gag we got here on the show, but my favorite version of this album is the 14-track one that has uh, Wash and Dirty Frank on it as well. Oh, okay. And I never knew any different. You know, I naively thought, oh, 10, that's got 14 songs on it, and one of them's a live one. You know, it's a live version of Alive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what Wash was a B side on one of the one of those singles. I don't remember which one. And I'm just gonna say this: I think Wash is my favorite Pearl Jam song. Oh, yeah, wow. for some reason, there's just something about it. It feels like uh, an even vibier oceans, and uh-huh. I love everything about that song. And Wash is exactly why. I love ten, and it's it's not. Can I can I can I ask you a question though? No, because you know the album very well. Can you understand why "Release" is an amazing last song? Um, <sighs> I mean, I mean, that is a really great closer it, to it, the album. It is. It is. It like that's the thing in. As as per the original track listing, it's a flawless album regardless. I, I yeah. just n- never yeah. knew any different, but I love the way that it fades out and ties back into the intro song with that hidden track at the end where it brings, mm-hmm. it, brings it full circle. I love albums yep. that do that. I love albums that feel like they could loop forever, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah... It, I suppose there's, it'll probably be the meaning of the song, which I've I've never actually taken the time to um, know. Oh, of release. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's got to do with Eddie's Eddie's um, father, I believe. Ah, um, yeah. For, for me, you you were gonna say what? Why is it the why it's the why it's a great ending song? Well, I was just gonna say, can you hear that if, oh, when you listen? When you yeah. think think about that song and think about that being the last song, and especially as you're saying how you hear the beginning little piece of music play again, yeah, like that is a it's a really great ending to the album. Not, I mean, I like you, you know the Wash is a great song. Is Dirty Frank an original by them that they only played live, or is that somebody else's song? I don't actually know, but um, like. Uh, it, Again, though, I do I do agree that, you know, re- oh, Release is such a good song. Garden is such a good yeah. song. Um, oh. yeah, I mean, they, they, they don't... The thing that I think people forget about with 10 is that there's such a good variety of songs because it really, if you put the first few songs together, okay, yeah, it's just like a 90s rock album, but um, uh, Deep oh, is man. a fucking 
really good song and it sounds very different than the early, than the first few songs and then of course yeah oceans and and release yeah they're just they're just all they're all great songs we haven't even mentioned black like oh what a yeah that song resonates with me more and more as the years go by and it was also the first pearl jam song i heard so it was like oh, I, okay. I remember hearing it the first time when i was like 11 or 12 and now i'm hearing it at like 23 and i'm thinking oh man that that part where he's like i know someday you'll have a beautiful life like that part oh mm-hmm. god damn yeah <laughs> there, there's, there's just something about this album man it's 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 got like that hypnotic otherworldly feel feel to it it's almost yeah. like there's certain albums, especially during this time, the late 80s and early 90s, that really take you somewhere else. And it's like, in your head, you're not even like visualizing the band playing. It's just like this otherworldly entity that's just yeah. like, it's it's kind of like hypnotic, I, w- I suppose would be a good way to describe mm-hmm. it. It just has that effect on me. Uh which is also the funny, funny enough, I, the, the song, um, porch. Yeah. It's a great song, but, um, I actually really love the unplugged MTV unplugged version of that song. Um, especially watching it because I remember when that unplugged episode aired and that song just built to a, such a, such a, uh, an energy, and then it had that part where Eddie stands on the stool and he writes pro-choice on his arm. Yeah. And it was just everything about the performance of Porch on that unplugged. I'm just like, God, this band kicks so much ass. And um, so, but I do like that song. But like whenever I hear the album version, I go, oh, this is really good. But I, I really would like to listen to that unplugged version. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is weird for me because normally I, I look at those unplugged albums and I go, eh, they're fine. <laughs> but the Pearl Jam one's pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah, it's ten. A badass album. Mm-hmm. L- strong, lasting legacy for a good reason, and uh, yeah, I love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I know that you do. I love it too, but not as much as I love um, my number one. My number one is Vitalogy hey. from 1994, the third Pearl Jam album, and the last with Dave Ambrosisi on drums, but he sounds fucking fabulous on this album, and the, fu- the, the, the intro of Last Exit, it's just so good. It's a great riff, it's got an odd time signature, and it just, the build of that song into fucking Spin the Black Circle... Yeah. And then I'm pretty sure after that, doesn't it go into not for you after that? Like just fucking take all my money for this <laughs> album. Like it is just so this is to me, Vitalogy is the greatest energy that Pearl Jam ever put down on an album. And although like, I do like the production on 10, the production on Vitalogy, I love it because there is a separation in the instruments yeah. and they're all, they're all mixed perfectly to where like you said it is kind of like you're in a room listening to the band play and there's such an amazing energy because of that but i just love the fact that this is an album where they were clearly pushing the envelope but still making fantastic songs and i mean i so before this album ever came out 
um, my brother worked at a video and CD store and he got a promotional seven inch single that had spin the black circle on one side and tremor Christ on the other side. So before this album had ever come out, I heard those two songs and I was just like, this is what they're doing now. Holy shit. (laughs) Like they, I was just like Pearl Jammer unstoppable. They're, they're just, each album excites me in a way that I didn't expect to be excited. Um, and Vitalogy is just an engaging and enjoyable album from beginning to end. And all I know is that um, there's another song on this album that absolutely could have been a hit song if they had been doing the singles thing. And that song is Corduroy. Mm. Corduroy is so fucking good. And once again, it wasn't a single. They just, you know, we had this awesome song and then we're not releasing it as a single. And um, a, a really unpopular opinion about this album is that the worst song on the album, to me, is Better Man. Ah. And um, I'm even counting Bugs. I would rather listen to Bugs than Better Man. Wow. Because Better Man, if I remember right, wasn't Better Man a song that, that somebody had written 10 years before or something? Like, it was an old Eddie Vedder song. And it sounds like a song written by somebody who is much younger and doesn't have all of the experience that the rest of Vitalogy seems to have. It certainly it. sticks out. Yeah. I mean, I, I like it, but it does. Oh, I do too. Yeah. But it is the weakest song in my opinion. Um, it's the, it's the only one that I'm like, they could have just left that out. If we ever do a, a, a grooved and removed, better man's getting removed wow. from this album. To, well, in my opinion, <laughs> it probably won't end up happening because people fucking love that song. Mm. But I love the weird little songs that don't really have any place on the album, but they're just there. And um, because all of the other songs are so strong and the whole vibe of this album is just a band that is just, it feels like they're, they're uncomfortable with, with, with what they're wearing and they're just trying to get out of it. And it, and it just has that feeling of a, of a band just like the chains of, have, they've broken free of the chains and now they've made the album that I guess they always wanted to make. Now, if you listen to their whole catalog, you get the feeling that maybe this wasn't the album they wanted to make. It, at the time, it's just how it came together. But to me, it always feels like like the ultimate statement, the biggest musical statement that Pearl Jam ever made. Um, uh, some albums have more of a political statement, and I'm, and I'm behind them on that, and other ones definitely have a vibe where you knew they were going for some specific thing. But this one to me is the one where I think that they, like I said, they were saying fuck you to a lot of people. And I wasn't one of those people. I was the one that was still on board. (laughs) And I was just like, yeah, just keep doing more shit like this. Keep going in whatever direction you're going, because I like what's happening here. But there are, there are just so many examples of, of um, the hair standing up on the back of my neck parts of all, all throughout this album. Yeah. And honestly, for a little bit, the two and one were swapped. When I was first putting my list together, Versus was number one. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, yeah, it's got so many classic songs and it's a cool middle ground between the two albums. But then I decided to go back and listen to both albums in in full. And that was the one thing that I noticed was I listened to Versus and I was like, yeah, so many great songs. But then Vitology, just sitting on my front porch listening to an album, I just was overcome with this energy that I'm just like, this album affects me physically. (laughs) And so it has to be my number one. And so um, 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I love Vitalogy. I think it's, it's, and it still sounds really good today. Like it's an album that doesn't, isn't tied to a time. Like I like the way that 10 sounds. It sounds like a 1991 album. Vitalogy, on the other hand, you could put it on for somebody young that doesn't know it and be like, well, what year did this come out? And it probably would be like, I mean, they might guess the nineties, but they, but it's, it's just one of those things where there's no specific stamp on when it came out, which that could be a testament to how good of a producer Brendan O'Brien yeah. is. Cause Brendan O'Brien, man, I was just looking at the albums that he did. He did dog man by King's X. Yeah. He did evil, evil empire by rage against the machine. Fuck. He did issues by corn. He did, um, he did um, uh, uh, Crack the Sky by Mastodon. I think he did another Mastodon album too. Like the motherfucker has done so many really great sounding albums. Yeah. And so um, I'm totally I'm totally behind Pearl Jam wanting to work with him so much because I, from what I've read about him, not only is he a really great producer for getting a really energetic sound from a band, but he's also a guy that doesn't bullshit around. For sure. Like, he's a dude that the band comes in and he goes, okay, wh- what kind of sound do you want? Cool, let's get that right now. Like, he's just he's just one of those dudes that knows what he's doing. And I, I'm pretty, I, I believe prior to him being on his own, he did engineering for, like, Rick Rubin and stuff like that. So yeah. I think he's a dude that he came up knowing his shit. But this is not the Brendan O'Brien um, episode. This is the, <laughs> this is the <laughs> Pearl Jam episode, which we wrapped up with... Interestingly enough, the, our, our number ones are, you know, almost like polar opposites when it comes to Pearl Jam. Yeah. It's a, it's a cool thing because I, I'm going to be honest, I wholeheartedly expected for, for some reason in the back of my mind, I was just thinking 10's going to be his number one. He and I both love, <laughs> he and I both love this band. We both love the, the early 90s vibe and, yeah. yep. you know, when it comes to, you know, I will say 10 does have, it does feel of its time, but I like mm-hmm. it for that reason. Yeah. And yeah, I, th- I think it, I think it just boils down to you were there to experience that evolution. So I'd imagine, you know, yeah. having that kind of connection to Vitalogy being such a, violent swing in the other direction you know whereas with it was an exciting time yeah. you know because because in, in 1994 there were like the stuff that was happening that was exciting to me was all over the place yeah. like i i was into some of the most aggressive music i would ever get into like i was that's when i was really into cannibal corpse yeah and that's the same year that i believe far beyond driven by pantera came yep. out and and at the same time, I was still into like some of the more softer kind of alternative kind of shit that was going on as well. Yeah. But um, the thing that was the thing that was very clear, which is which is a big reason why I'm always such an old head about everything, <laughs> is because that that it became a it became a norm that uh, that bands were trying to do something different when they put out a new album, and it was an exciting time, which is something that you don't really get anymore. Yeah. Even Pearl Jam puts out albums that are similar to albums they already put out, and um, so that's a, that's another big reason why it was so exciting for me. But when it but when it comes to to ten, like like I said, this is really like my number one, my number one point two, and my number one point three because <laughs> those first three albums are fantastic yeah. in their own ways, and I almost feel like you can't 
Like if I listen to 10 all the way through, I immediately have to put on verses and then I immediately have to put on Vitology. And then I go, cool, I'm done with Pearl Jam for <laughs> <laughs> because that's just how I feel about it. So it's, it, it's, uh, it, there's something to be said about a band that even though I'm, I wouldn't consider myself a huge fan of them, the fact that they do have these three albums that still affect me in such a way today, whether it be from nostalgia or whether it be just from the pure um, discovery and, 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 and I, don't, I don't know what it would be, just drive that the band had when doing some of their stuff. Now, whether or not they were truly happy doing the music they were doing when they did Vitalogy is a totally different story, and I don't really know. It's just hearsay or things that you gather from interviews. But, um, yeah, they're all fantastic albums. So they're, they're all, they're, all three of them are number one <laughs> for me. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, right on. Cool. Well, we did it. <laughs> um, Pearl Jam, man. So we that's it. The the big four of grunge, which I haven't said the word grunge very much because I don't really feel that any of their albums sound like grunge. Yeah. Like I don't even even Pearl even 10 sounds more just like an alternative rock album from the 90s. It doesn't really have grunginess to it. And even Mother Love Bone Mother Love Bone, I, I equate more closely with Jane's Addiction or something yeah. than I do with with you know Soundgarden or Mud Honey or somebody like that. Um, so it's weird that they get called one of the big four of grunge. Yeah, but I get it because grunge became a thing that was bigger than a sound. It was like a musical movement of things that were kind of stripped back a little yeah. bit. Yeah, it was it was more um, to do with where it was from and what it looked like rather than what the music actually was. Yeah. Yeah. Which is which is interesting because if they if it was all about where it was from, then Queensryche is also a, a grunge band. <laughs> and Heart. <laughs> Heart would also Heart, Yeah. <laughs> Me- Metal Church. Metal Church. That's a it's a grunge band right there too. Damn. Um but yeah, it's it, it's it. That's that's it. We've done the big four of grunge. It's a, we, where do we go from here? Somebody somebody commented that since we've we've already tackled Pearl Jam, next is Stone Temple Pilots, and I absolutely agree. I support that decision. That we, yeah. The next time we get our, we get around to a quote unquote alternative rock band, um, I think I think that it would be a good idea to tackle Stone Temple Pilots. Yeah. and the 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 cool thing as well about it. Yeah, we've covered the big four of grunge, but there are so many great grunge and alternative metal bands from that era that, you know, I don't mm-hmm. think we'll ever truly run out of shit to talk about with that scene. Yeah. It's just so, so cool. So the the one album, I mean the one album, the one band that if you talk to uh, members of Pearl Jam and you say who who would be one of the godfathers of grunge, a band that they will talk about a lot is King's X. Yeah. Which is a band that I would, I very eventually I would like to, to, to rank their, their discography, but um, you go back and listen to some of it. And if you take away the eighties production sound, yeah. it's down tuned. There's a lot of rhythmic sort of like, grungy kind of riffs to it and apparently they were a really big influence on some of the members of pearl jam and other grunge bands i could totally hear it so yeah yeah so that's eventually we'll we'll get to that as well 
Um, I'm, I'm on a big King's X kick just cause I'm reading, I'm in the middle of reading the, the autobiography. I guess it's kind of an autobiography. It's like a oral history. Cool. Um, but anyway, that's, we're getting off on a tangent we don't need to be on and we've, <laughs> we've tackled Pearl Jam. So before we wrap up, uh, this episode, anything, any last words from you? Wow. Like this, <laughs> yeah, this was definitely a, it was a fun one to go back through because a lot of their albums I don't revisit often, but when I do, I find a, a rewarding couple of nuggets in there, you know? And this yeah. was a good excuse to rediscover how much I like even some of some of last episode's picks. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, really, it, it's just... With Pearl Jam, we have our favorites, and that's okay. Yeah. But it's fun to it's fun to explore every now and again. True, and you know, and and at the end of the day, Pearl Jam still remain a band that when they put out a new album, I'm going to go check it out for sure. I haven't completely I haven't completely jumped off, so that's something to be said. Plus, they have they have a fantastic fan base of fans that love what they do, and um. That's really interesting coming from a band that seemed to want to be alienating people that they've now become yeah. <laughs> more massive than they probably thought that they would become. But you know what? At this point, I guess it's I guess it's a it's more it's 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 a more of a sweet kind of deal when you're you hold on to your integrity and you do the things that you want to do and you still sell out stadiums when you <laughs> you play a concert. <laughs> Hell yeah. Cool. So on that on that note, um, we'll wrap up this episode of Cranked and Ranked. We're going to be coming back next time um, with uh, with something from the other side of the rock and roll spectrum. Oh yeah, uh, from from the grunginess. <laughs> um, but uh, and hopefully we'll have because z- this time we only had one real technical issue. Well, now we had some at the beginning. Never mind. <laughs> hopefully next episode we don't have any technical issues. I don't even know why I talk about them because it'll be edited in a way that nobody even knows. <laughs> they won't see the 30-minute um, long setup this one took. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, we'll, maybe we'll figure shit out and then uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have an easier easier one next time but yeah we'll be back next week with another uh discography for you um it, it'll be a fun one too yeah um i'll tell you that and um but yeah on that note i'm gonna go ahead and throw it over to mr eddie sparks to once again take us out later i was like how long is he gonna keep it going for <laughs>